You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wise, Sherry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, J.T. Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Sanderson, Robin Mom, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm really excited to have Jill Chavez on the show with me. She has an amazing new book. It's called Love for Beginners. It is the Wildstone series, book seven. And uh, when you're hearing this, it just came out yesterday. And uh, so it's available everywhere. You can go out and grab your copy and kick your summer off right. Uh, Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you. Uh, Jill, we begin each show with the same question. And that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? You know, it's funny. If you listen to my mom tell the story, she'll tell you that I've been making up stories since before I could write. I couldn't (laughs) even hold a pencil and I was telling her stories. Of course, back then she called it lying. But, you know, fiction has to come from somewhere. (laughs) I think I realized it for myself when uh, I became an avid reader early on, like in even in elementary school and junior high. And I would walk to and from school, and it was a long walk, and halfway between my school and home was a library. And I would slip inside halfway home and just, you know, lose myself in the books. I'd go into the very back where there was rows and rows of uncategorized books, like the paperbacks. Yeah. And I, I'd pick out, you know, I started mysteries and suspense and thrillers, and then I found romance, and I never looked back. It was awesome. What was it? You know, I hear people talk about um, romance as a genre in glowing terms like that. Like, you know, <laughs> I found the genre and and I never looked back. You know, I just dove, you know, in deeply. Um, what is it about the genre that that appeals to you? And and then if if you don't mind extrapolating a little bit, what do you think it is that appeals to, um, you know, to the greater reading audience? Well, at first, way back then, I was just a kid and wasn't yet writing. And so I was the reader. And what appealed to me was, you know, it's kind of a troubled kid trying to kind of a troubled home life. And so I would lose myself in fiction and not all fiction had happy ever afters and some were scary. And so when I found romance, they all had happy ever afters. And so that was something I was looking for. I didn't even know that I needed, but I could count on these books i could pick them up and i could know no matter how bad it got by the end it would be okay and that i needed that at the time and that just really stuck with me so even when i became a writer i knew i was going to do that i was no matter what genre i wrote in i was going to write the happy ever afters and i also think that readers today especially after the year or two we've all had you know it can be almost um comfort food a good book with a good ending can feel like a nice warm bowl of mac and cheese or cinnamon toast, you know, it's good. It feels good for the soul. And I think we all need a little bit of that right now. Absolutely. Um, So Jill, you, you had this desire to write and you fell in love with these types of stories. Um, You know, a lot of us, you know, have these desires and and know that one day um, we're going to pursue that dream. And, you know, invariably, 
there's uh, a little thing, you know, uh, life and family and all mm-hmm. of that that starts to happen. And our that dream sort of gets, you know, shelved for a little while while we pursue other obviously important things. Um, but, you know, we we come back around to that. When did writing come back around to you? Well, from that moment that I discovered fiction, I wrote read everything insatiably. And when I went to college, I went in as a journalism major. I thought I was going to be one of those cute little journalists that you see on TV. But it turns out at that time, um, early 90s, you needed to be tall, thin and blonde and pretty and all that. And I found myself working more behind the scenes, writing stories that those people would then be reading to all the people on TV or whatever. So I began with nonfiction and my teacher would give me, give us stuff to write, give us a story, a headline to start with. And I would embellish these stories. I couldn't help myself. I just, if the stories weren't going the way I wanted them to, the real stories, I wouldn't, you know, add things to them. (laughs) And I kept getting F's in this class and I couldn't understand it. (laughs) And I went to my teacher. I said, what is going on? He said, you're not giving me what I ask for. What you're giving me is great, but it's not what I'm asking for. And so I said, but this, this is what I want to do. What is it called? And he said, it's called lying. So (laughs) that's, that was when I finally figured out two years in journalism, nonfiction wasn't for me. I was in the wrong place. I wanted to be writing fiction. Once I figured that out, it was much easier. And I say much easier. I mean, only on my mind because in my heart, because it is very, very difficult to make a career making up stories. It just is, you know, anybody who's a writer knows that's the truth. Only a small percentage of people quote unquote, make it. So there was a lot of struggle years. Indie write, indie independence writing, traditional writing was only the, was the only thing. There was no indie writing. There was no self-publishing back in those days. You had to make it. If you wanted to make it, you had to make it through a traditional publisher. And like you said, life came along. I graduated high school. I got married. I had kids. And I was working as an accountant, a full-charge bookkeeper. So I was using the other side of my brain. And it hurt. And at night, I would go home, put the babies to bed, and I would just write stories for myself. Even then, I had not yet occurred to me I could be writing those books that I loved in the library all those years before. And, it, and I just kept writing these stories. And finally, I thought, I have a whole book here. Now what do I do? And just looked it up, went to the library, looked it up, sent them off to sent the book off to a bunch of publishers and a bunch of agents. And then started book two. I think I was on book three before I got a call. So, you know, there was a lot of perseverance, a lot of not knowing what the heck I was doing. And I think as I just kept writing, that was the best thing I could have done because you hone the craft. So even if my first book sucked and it did, book two (laughs) sucked less and book three sucked even less than that. So, I mean, if I could impart any wisdom at all, it would be to not give up, to keep writing while you're waiting. Love that. Um, Jill, I know a lot of novelists who began their career uh, in journalism. And even though you didn't practice journalism and and you found, you know, that time actually helped you realize that you wanted to be a fiction writer. Um, one question I love to ask those people is, uh, are there any tools or uh, things that they picked up from journalism that helps them uh, be a better novelist um you you know that you know if you're in a big city and an event happens 
you might have five or six, you know, different reporters that show up to a scene. And even though, even though all the facts are the same, you know, this event happened, they all have a different perspective that they bring to it. Definitely. And it, it, so did, you know, um, did journalism, uh, you know, give you anything that helps you now uh, as a novelist? I think what it gave me was uh, the ability to catch a story very quickly and to in the writing to keep the pacing fast. I find a lot of times new writers, the biggest mistake they make is they write their first three chapters and then they polish and polish and polish and they never actually get to the end. And pacing is everything for me. And I think that's, I got that in journalism. You got to keep the interest. You got to keep, you know, it's just the, the, the common sense from journalism, get your five senses, get the facts out fast, don't bury your lead, that kind of thing. That all applies to fiction, really, or it should. Yeah, true. Um, you talked about the people that write those first three chapters and polish and polish and polish. Um, do you consider yourself uh, a pantser or a plotter? You know, the writers love to divide themselves yes. into those two camps. Which one I'm, do you fall in? I'm going to answer this question with the caveat that there is no wrong or right way. Right. Absolutely. Everyone, everyone that I know, a lot of writers, I've been in this for a long time. I know a million people and all of us have a different path to the, to get to the end. It's fascinating to me. We talk about it all the time. My personal path is I am a meticulous plotter. I try to be, I say that I don't always succeed. I will spend weeks and weeks before I ever start writing on building the characters, learning their fears, their goals. There, then I think about the story and I add the plot in and I think about the turning points. I write, get all that written down. And once I'm there, then I break the turning points down to scene by scene. Even if it's just a line, like this is what happens in this scene. Just so I have a sense of the pacing before I start. And I color code it to the characters because otherwise I cannot tell if the book is moving at the right pace if I can't see it. So I put up, I have a whole wall and I put up these little card three by five index cards to check make sure that each character is getting the time they need each storyline is getting the right percentage of time i mean it's it's ridiculous but once i get it down to that it's almost my first draft if that makes sense and then i go in and then i i, I go in and in, in subsequent drafts sometimes two three four five drafts i'm adding in the heart the humor the emotion you know picking up the pace dropping scenes if it's slowing down the pace adding scenes if i need more so it's just an ongoing process but the very first draft i write i write fast and dirty straight through and i don't let myself look back because to me it's a rabbit hole other writers can look back and be mature about it and still get their daily pages done i cannot <laughs> i have to write from the beginning to the end and then go back because i don't i always figure out about halfway through an aha moment like oh my god this is going to change everything so i just I'd, if I had tried to plot that ahead of time, I wouldn't have come to me then. Sure. It's something that came in the moment. So though I am a meticulous plotter, I often take the road less traveled. You know, I have this yeah. whole map for me, but that map is what allowed me to have the freedom to find this better way. Looking for a tool to help you visualize your story before the drafting begins? PlotPens is cloud-based and optimized for any device. There's nothing to download. From the new writer who isn't sure how to tell their story to the veteran 
who can increase their productivity dramatically, we've had experienced writers lay out a detailed structure for several novels in a series in a matter of a few days. The app takes you through four steps of the process, the concept or logline. Make sure you have a solid concept that you can keep coming back to throughout the process. The outline, 12 beats and three acts, each has a description of what should be happening with examples. The board, 40 cards. We take the 12 beats and add sub-beats to those, breaking it down even further and being very specific about what should go into each. These also have examples and descriptions. Write. We take those 40 cards and turn them into a to-do list. For a 50,000 word book, it's about two cards per chapter roughly. We have a beautiful editor built into the app. You can export your manuscript to a PDF anytime with the click of a button. Let Plot Pins help you visualize your writing project. Use code HANK10 to get 10% off Plot Pins. PlotPins.com. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting, and we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Love that. Um, so, do you do you think your your writing process prevents uh, that bogging down? You know, where you go over and over. Um, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, I didn't even have to finish. It was perfect. I didn't um, mean to cut you off, but yes, no. this map allows. So, what this map does for me is I don't get up in the morning and look at a blank page because I know exactly what scene I'm in and what should be happening. I'm not so rigid as that has to happen, but it's what could happen. Sure. So I'm never sitting there thinking, what the heck am I writing today? Where are these people going today? I know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I love it. Um, Jill, you have a fascinating blog post on your website, uh, which is jillshalvis.com, uh, by the way. Um, and um, it's titled, I first started writing in the Ice Age, but you, <laughs> you tell this fascinating story about how you 
sold your first manuscript to an editor yes. and um there was a, a great uh I'm, I'm scrolling right now as we're talking so um forgive me as i stumble over That's okay um, i can tell you the story if you don't remember <laughs> well um the the part that I, I really want um you to talk about is um she said can you add some stuff to the manuscript and we yes. could sell it as a love swept and and you're like what is the love swept I, you know then so you know then you know, anyone that's familiar with the genre knows that there's all sorts of subgenres. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, um, people that are not familiar think of romance as, as this one monolithic thing. And it's really not. It's, uh, you know, that that's kind of an umbrella term for mm-hmm. a lot of other stories. F- so first off, what is Love Swept? And, uh, and, you know, how have you kind of navigated all of the subgenres that there are? And, and where do you plant your uh, your tent well back in the day when I was reading insatiably and thinking about writing my own story I was not reading just uh, there's a thing called category romance which is the harlequin and silhouettes they're smaller stories that boy meets girl boy loses girl boy gets girl and it's it's a it's a genre and it's it's um people love it and it was my bread and butter at first but I didn't even know what category romance was. I had been reading bigger books. I'd been reading every genre. And the romances that I had been reading were more almost women's fiction, or they were romantic suspense, or they were coat mysteries with some romance in it. I'd never been, I've never read at that time straight romance. So my story was kind of a suspense. And I envisioned it being a suspense novel with, you know, a couple with a couple that has part of the story. There was some romance in it. So when I sent this story off and the editor called me and she said, all we need you to do is add a few sex scenes and we'll be able to sell it in our love swept line, which is a category line at the time. It no longer exists. Again, boy meets girl, boy gets girl, boy loses girl. And that actually was part of my story was exactly that. But there was a lot of suspense. So she had me add in sexual tension and then they were able to fit it into this line. And so that was my leg into traditional publishing and it was my bread and butter for a while. I wrote those small category romances very happily for like five or six years and and I really enjoyed it. But then I started to yearn for bigger stories. You know, I had I wanted to branch out into what they call single title romance, which is um it's more more story. It isn't just about the romance. Um there's women fiction elements to it and all that. So that's how that's where I'm writing now is in this bigger genre I guess you, the umbrella would be women's fiction, but really what I'm writing is kind of a hybrid. It's kind of rom-com, it's kind of romance, and it's got bigger life elements, and there's usually sometimes a mystery in it too. So maybe it fits under the umbrella as women's fiction, but it's a lot of things. So you you don't say in that blog post, but how many years ago was that? That was 1998. Wow. Uh, so about 23 years ago ish. Yes. Yes. And, and looking at your back catalog, uh, you have published more than that many books. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hundred and something, uh, 110, 115 in there, but keep in mind that the first probably 50 of those were these short category romances. Yeah. Not what I'm doing now. And the books I'm doing now they take, I can only, I do maybe two a year. They're bigger. They're, they're not just romance. There's a lot more story to them. There's suspense or mystery or they're funny. 
and they take a lot more time. Yeah. So, so, so although there's a, over a hundred, you have to understand the first 50 were written very quickly. So the, that first 50, those category romances, mm-hmm. as, as you refer to them, um, do they, do they tend to be more formulaic because yes. they are shorter and, and you, there are certain that's beats that you have to hit? Yes. That's gotcha. the whole, the whole draw to them as a category romance is like I said, boy gets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. That's pretty much the formula. And there were within that formula, there was some play, like they had comedy ones, they had mystery ones, they had suspense ones, they had straight romance ones, historical ones. So there was still even then a variety to these category romances. And they were great. I mean, that's where I cut my teeth. That's where I honed the skill. I I have no regrets about those. Sure. Um you know, some people may hear uh, uh, something like that and go, well, how can you how can you tell a story that means something to someone when you're following following a formula? Um, well, that's like saying, you know, how can you write, uh, you know, a great song when there are only seven notes that we have to, exactly. to work with? You know, I mean, yeah. Um, so what what were some of the things that you would do to. Uh, you know, to keep it fresh for you and so that you didn't feel like you were just, you know, cranking books through the machine. Uh, I so never to speak. felt, I, I can see why people might think that. I personally never felt that way because, I mean, I'm just going to be honest here, I never followed the rules. <laughs> and I, I did what I wanted. I wrote the stories I wanted. And when I could no longer do that because they no longer wanted exactly what I was giving them, I moved on. And I moved on to single titles where I had the freedom. And that's where I write now. That's where I live now. I don't write the categories anymore. And you probably couldn't even find them if you wanted to. So now I'm writing, for instance, in the Wildstone series, which is Love for Beginners, is the seventh book. I heard you say that earlier. I did want to say really quickly that these books in the Wildstone series are not connected by character. So you can read number seven, then you could read number three, then you could read number one. You do not you don't have to read them in any order. There is no order. So, so what does collect them in, as a series? If we don't have connected characters, is it setting? Uh, yes. Okay, so, so, created, so you've got a shared world. Yes, it's a shared world where the characters don't cross over. So like I said, there's no need to read them in any order whatsoever. But when I live in Northern California up near Lake Tahoe, I am an LA girl. I grew up in LA, was raised in a big city, and then we moved to the small mountains 10, 15 years ago. So I still feel like I'm a misplaced city girl. So we go back and forth a lot. And my favorite place just to be is in the middle of California on the coast, around the San Luis Obispo area, Avila Beach, Morro Bay, because right there in that place, you have the beach, you have ranches, you have wineries. It's just the most beautiful green rolling hills dotted with oak place and then the beautiful beaches. I feel very, very happy and at home there. And so I renamed it in my head Wildstone and I set a series there. So within that series, I have one book takes place, um, Rainy Day Friends takes place on a, on a winery, a little family run winery. And uh, you know, so um, Love for Beginners takes place on the lake there. So it's like every place has, every book in the series has a, they're all in Wildstone, but it has its own unique setting within Wildstone. So what what some writers um, love to what one reason uh, that writing a continuing series um, is 
it's so much fun and um, and easier to get a book started sometimes is because the the world building, if you will, um, is already done and mm-hmm. you have a, a place with set rules and set characters sometimes and and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, what does having a a world uh, built even even though the, even though the characters are not connected, but what does that do for you in the beginning of a story? Well, I don't know if this is a popular way of thought, but as an author, I'm telling myself the story first. And I love my readers, but I don't always think of them when I'm setting up a story and starting to write. Because you are your first reader, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pleasing myself. So it's so comforting to me to have this series set in one of my favorite places on the whole world. Now, next year, I'm moving on to a different series, and it's going to be called Sunrise Cove, but it's set. I'm renaming Lake Tahoe. And so I'm going to be very comfortable and very happy there too. I guess um, the only reason I would be leaving Wildstone, which I love so much, is because I don't want reader fatigue. And I don't want people to say, oh, I've read the Wildstones. Like, let's move on to something new. So I'm going to do that. (laughs) I'm going to move on. And Wildstones will always live in my heart and the books will always be available. But I don't want readers to think, I'm tired of Wildstone. (laughs) So I'm leaving before they ask. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like I like that way of thinking. Uh, um, Jill, when you begin a book, or or uh, before you begin a book, let's let's say that. Um, what is the? How do you start thinking about what the new book is going to be about? Because, um, you know, you obviously are on a publishing schedule, and you know that a certain time of year, you need to be starting a new book, and and mm-hmm. you know need to finish it by a certain time. Um. How do you first start thinking of the story? Is it uh, and and we'll just take the Wildstones for uh, for example. So the setting's already done. Um, do you start with you know a plot point? You know this would be an interesting situation to throw some characters in and see how they react. Uh, or do you start thinking of a character like Emma Harris, maybe mm-hmm. uh, you know in in the new book? Um, and then you start thinking of things to do to Emma and then, you know, how would Emma react? Um, how does that usually get kicked off for you? It varies. With Love for Beginners, I started with a question. And the question was, what if something happened to your life and you had to start it completely over? Your work life, your home life, your love life, everything in an instant was wiped out and you had to start again. Would you do things the same or would you change it up? And that question just like was fascinating to me. So I came up with Emma Harrison. I had her get in a terrible accident and she was in a coma for two months. And when she woke up, she could no longer have her dance studio. Her boy, her fiance had left her for her best friend. And so her, and because she wasn't able, she was relearning how to walk, but hadn't quite gotten it together yet. She could no longer walk up her four flights of stairs. So she lost her place where she lived. She lost, lost what she thought was the love of her life. She lost her best friend. She lost her job. And that's where we start the story. Like this girl, I really, you know, took everything away from her. And I just wanted to see what would she do with this chance? Would she look at it as a good chance? Would she look at it as, woe is me? What would happen? And she, she kind of surprised me. And I was pretty impressed with her. <laughs> and so we had a good time. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, so, uh, so did did you say that you were you were winding up the wild Storm, uh the Wildstone series with this book? 
Well, I'm not going to close it off and say never will I come back. I will come back. This is the last book for now. So were there things um, in this book that closed the series or that uh, that might bring – I didn't want to close the series. So okay, gotcha, I just gotcha. put this book number seven. It could have been number three. It could have been number two. It doesn't matter because I love this place and I think I will come back. Yeah. But for now it will be with these seven stories. And I, I ended it very, for me, it was very satisfying um, building Emma's story and giving her what I hoped was her happy ever after. And so we can walk away and go, okay, that all is well. And now we can go read maybe some other series of Jill's and come back when she's ready. <laughs> that what if uh, exercise that that you um, started with this book and, uh, you know, think of a character and what if this happened to her and what if this happened to her? That really is a powerful exercise, uh, especially for fiction writers to um, to to use. Uh, is, is that something that, that you use? Often yes. or with every book or every book. And I learned this from Susan Mallory. Why? You must ask why at every turn. Okay, so I'm gonna start with this girl who's lost everything. Why? Okay, so now I have to figure out what will she do with this? Why will she go this way versus this way? Why, why, why? So at every turn that I was plotting this book, I had to ask why. And you can't ask those questions unless you know these characters. So I had to know Emma. I had to know how she would answer. What's her favorite color? What's her secret dream? What's her not so secret dream? What what does she want? Out of, I had to know how she would answer any question. McDonald's or Taco Bell? Like you really have to know these people so that every reaction she has is different from my, another heroine. You know, you don't want people saying, oh, she's just writing the same people over and over again. Right. So I try really, really hard to make every person different. I know that you said that in the initial writing, you are the audience that you're writing for. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point in the process do you start thinking about your reading audience at large? I I guess the only way I really think about them is what is the current climate when Me Too started to happen. All of those books that we wrote in the 80s and 90s with the alpha type heroes, they no longer were PC. <laughs> You know, so, I mean, it was a shift and I happily made that shift. So now I have fun with it. Like in um, Love for Beginners, I make sure that my hero gets verbal consent for everything. And I do it playfully because it should be playfully and romantic. Right. But it should happen. It should be nothing should be taken for granted. And so in that way, I try to stay up with what's happening. I try to use modern social media that I try to stay up with what is in the world right now without letting it get dated in 10 years. Gotcha. If, if some, if you meet someone and they've never read any of your books, didn't even know you were a writer and, Mm -hmm. and are not familiar with your massive body of work. um, How would you describe what you do and where would you point them to familiarize themselves with the work that you do? The first thing I ask people is when they when they ask me what book should I start with, I always say, what do you like to read? Because if they're a romance reader, great, that's easy. If they're a mystery or a suspense or a thriller or a historical reader, that's a little more tricky. And I, I want to always steer them in the right way because you want them to love whatever book you ask, tell them sure. that they can read. But often the most, the one I, I often say the Wildstone series because it's a bigger story. There's a lot of 
other things going on, mysteries, suspense, a lot of life moments. I think there's something, a little something for everyone in the Wildstone series. If I, if some, if someone said, oh, I'm a romance reader only, I only like romance, then I would say, go read my Lucky Harbor series, which is 12 books of all connected characters. You need to read those in a row and you'll love it if you love romance. Um, they're a little sexier than I right now. You know, I wrote that when I was writing just straight romance. So I, w I would steer differently by the answer they gave me. What would they read? So if you're out there wondering where you should start with me, I'm going to say the Wildstone series is the best place to start. And then you can go to my website. And under every series I've written it has a page. And at the top of that page, I tell you what the series involves. And so you'll be able to find what you want. When someone finishes one of your books or maybe finishes uh one of your series uh and and they get to the you know they close that that back cover and they they finished the book or the last book in the series um what do you hope they're left with i just hope they feel good and there's a smile on their face and then they're thinking well what's the next jill shalva's book i can read <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a good uh, thing that's about as good as you can get, you know. Um, Jill, um, the new book, Love for Beginners, is out everywhere now when people are hearing this. You can go grab it and, uh, you know, if you want to hold paper in your hand and read it or on your Kindle, you can absolutely get it either way. Also, uh, audiobook. It's, it's yes. available as an audiobook as well. Um, what do you think about the, you know, the, the current state of, of audio being, you know, one of the fastest growth markets and more and more people consuming their reading by listening to it? I love it. I listen to romance now, too. I listen to books when I'm hiking or walking with my dogs. It's just, um, it's very soothing to listen to a favorite author. And I, I love it. I love being read, too. I do too. That's one of my favorite ways to read now. Um, we're going to put links in the show notes to Love for Beginners where you can grab it any way that you want to. Um, Jill also has a fantastic website um, and uh, we're going to put a link to your website as well. Um, but Jill, is there any other place where people can connect with you other than your website? Yeah, I'm on Instagram and I have a Facebook page and both of those I post a lot of pictures. I happen to live in a really gorgeous area so I post a lot of the lake, the river, my dogs. <laughs> Come find me and say hi. <laughs> we sure will. Uh, Jill, we'll put links to all those great places in the show notes of this episode. Love for Beginners out everywhere now when you're hearing this. Go grab it today. Jill, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, Look no farther than Pico's house. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's house is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started.